We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, October 10th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Week five of the NFL season is in the books, and we need to, you know, get you with some good free agents like every week. And Jake Latarski is always your resource for that, and he's here with me again today. Um, what did you think, of Mitch Trubisky, last night, Jake? Hey, John, uh, honestly, I was pretty impressed with Trubisky. I know the numbers aren't necessarily there, but the way that he can roll out and throw on a run and for the most part be relatively accurate, he does concern me. I think Gruden might have pointed this out post game that he likes to throw across the field a little bit, and that's going to burn you in the NFL. Very few guys can actually do that. But, uh, I mean, especially on that first drive, I mean, it was really penalties and, and the occasional drop that really killed that offense's momentum. It wasn't necessarily Trubisky's fault. So if I'm a Bears fan, I'm at least encouraged for the future. I mean, let's get real. We're not making the playoffs, or I don't, I shouldn't say we, but Bears aren't making the playoffs this year, but there is a good sign of hope for the future. Yeah. I think the good sign there, as you mentioned, he's mobile and there's two parts to that. One, he's going to, he's going to throw while he's moving, which he seems pretty good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing is, yeah, he, I mean, you know, the stats say three, three carries for 22 yards, but, but we're pretty sure that he's, he's going to be running a handful of times every game just because he can. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have a feeling like he's going to throw almost as many rollout passes as he is in the pocket. And that's going to help, help those rushing stats as well, because uh, they seem to like to call that for him. Absolutely. So he did the, uh, he, he threw the one pick late, which, which hurt. I mean, you know, we expected things like that to happen. Um, on the other side, um, the Vikings quarterback situation. So Bradford started, and then we got a little excited. It's so funny how now we're excited about Sam Bradford. And you watch mm-hmm. him at the beginning, and you're like, that's not – he's not moving well at all. Like, yeah. they, you felt like we, they rushed him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, if you had Bradford in your lineup week one for whatever reason, you probably won your week that week. But then, of course, the knee injury, the hiatus. And, and I think you're right. You hit that right on the head, John. He did come back a little bit too early. And uh, I'm surprised they, they stuck with him throughout – pretty much the entire first half there's some series at the end there and he was taking some seemingly unnecessary shots here so in comes case keenum though who uh, you know 110 quarterback rating 17 for 21 he, he really sparked this minnesota offense and and got things going for him yeah case keenum wasn't bad you may, it makes you wonder because last you know he's been 
kind of up and down, but not terrible. And, mm-hmm. you know, one really good game. And you kind of wonder why they didn't just, if Bradford wasn't ready, why they didn't just stick with him. <laughs> you know, it was kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, the other yeah. thing about that game, um, Stefan Diggs, groin injury. Uh, you know, he was a disappointment for you last night, but it wasn't, it wasn't because of the quarterback situation. It was because of an injury. So let's keep an yeah. eye on Stefan Diggs this week. All right. Yeah. The expectations for him were high because he was the leading fantasy receiver heading into this week. And of course that might uh, take a little bit of a dip. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, everybody, we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now, fanball.com. If you want us on Twitter, Jake is at jakeski52. I'm at jhoppin37. You can also reach us or follow us at Rotowire. At Rotowire NFL, the latter is a, uh, is a news feed. Any you know, injuries, news, whatever, you'll find it there, and you can find us on Facebook. All right, before we get to the free agents bye weeks, don't forget, Bills, uh, Bengals, Cowboys, Seahawks, a lot of running backs, Mixon, um, Shady, and Zeke all out this week yep yeah a lot of running backs and uh, we'll definitely get you updated uh usually running backs seem to be the longest list because it's easy to find a direct replacement when somebody goes down or isn't performing well so handful of running back options for you this week and uh, hopefully we'll help get you through it um all right so we're gonna start with quarterbacks and i talked to derek about this yesterday and, and it's funny i woke up monday morning and i see a headline on, on rotowire that's basically says is big ben done <laughs> <laughs> and um i mean it looks bad it looks really bad. What do, you, what do you do with fantasy Big Ben in a redraft league? In a redraft league, I mean, if it's one of those 8 to 10 team leagues, there's probably, I mean, there's a good chance there's 18 to 20 quarterbacks and one out there on the waiver wire that's going to give you a better bet from week to week, uh, especially coming up. I mean, he's got the at the Chiefs next week. Cincinnati and Detroit are all right, and then he's got a bye week. So there's no necessarily matchup in there that makes you scream, I need to start Big Ben this week. So if you have to cut him, you know, maybe it's time. In the last three weeks combined, Two touchdowns, six interceptions. Of course, he single-handedly made the Jacksonville Jaguars the highest score in fantasy defense in week five after he threw five interceptions, two pick sixes. Uh, it's it's just ugly. And he even said after the game, maybe I don't have it anymore. So that really starts to make you wonder. Yeah, those are some terse answers out of him after the game. I don't blame him. I guess he was in a, you know, I can't imagine he was <laughs> he was in a, in a yeah. mood uh, to answer anybody. Um, the good thing about Big Ben is you weren't drafting him as a high-end quarterback anyway. He was going maybe 12th, 13th off the board, something like that. So it's not like you were counting on him. Um, the other thing we need to watch, Matt Stafford, uh, ankle and thigh injuries against the Panthers. We don't know what his status is for week six. It doesn't sound like a dire situation, um, yeah. but you're going to need to watch him if you own him. All right, um, quarterbacks, like we always say, you know, you're either, when you're looking for free agents, you're either looking to stream, which this week would be to replace probably Dak or Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um or Derek Carr, if you still have him, or Big Ben, for instance. Um, what what do you like this week matchup-wise for quarterbacks? Or, or if you're not replacing, let's say, two quarterback lead type guys. Yeah, well, to start off, I mean, we already know Andrew Luck's going to be out. Yeah. Uh, for this upcoming week. So uh, last week I, I had to pick up J- Jacoby Reset in a pinch to replace Marcus Mariota, who was inactive with the hamstring injury. And yeah, he had a pretty good day. The rushing touchdown always helps him, and he's going to constantly have the ability to do that. And he actually gets one of the best matchups uh, in the in the whole uh, league next week as far as you know points allowed to opposing defenses and whatnot. I know we didn't necessarily see it, see it last week, but uh, it's a Monday night game. Uh, he is on the road, so there's that to worry about. But he goes up against the Titans, who... It's a defense that's really struggled so far. This So as far as quarterbacks that have a decent amount of availability, you know, maybe he's more than a two quarterback league update, but I, I don't say too much more than that. You don't pick him up with a lot of long term outlook because I, you know, it doesn't seem like it. But believe it or not, Andrew Luck will eventually be back. And uh, it's just not this week. So you have at least another week of utility out of Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Um, all right. The the next one, Derek Carr, we're not sure about yet he was apparently he was trying to he was fighting to play last week and they didn't let him so he he can't be that far off yeah he seems to have he has a decent matchup this week against the chargers so he's definitely ownable he probably wasn't dropped if you're in a two quarterback league but i mean if you're in one of those pinches i could see using him although it is pretty tough because his numbers haven't been out of this world and there is the question of injury who knows maybe we have another bradford situation where he can't make it um other guys i mean is there anyone else available for you here that that's appealing that's available 
Yeah, no, you know, not so much. Uh, the rest of these are all pretty much housekeeping for the two quarterback leagues. Uh, uh, you know, you still want to keep an eye on Matt Castle because Mariota's kind of day to day with that hamstring injury. Uh, you know, if you're looking for the long term, if you have a really deep roster or even if it's a dy- I don't know so much about dynasty appeal, but I'm talking about Teddy Bridgewater from the Vikings. I mean, Keenum was certainly encouraging, but Bridgewater is going to be back to practice soon. And if uh, Sam Bradford's knee doesn't quite get right. Um, then maybe they turn to Bridgewater at some point, uh, although it would be tough to argue with the Keenum momentum at this point. Um, and then as far as more housekeeping, I mean, Sean Kaiser lifted for Kevin Hogan. I don't think that's going to be anything permanent. That was just more brutal Browns showings. Uh, and and we and listen to that Miami crowd. We want more. We want more. I no. think uh, they're, get, they're starting to get fed up with Cutler. Uh, so just it's stuff for for the radar. Nothing that you're going to act on in a 12-teamer. Yeah, Adam Gase said after the, either after the game or said on Monday morning that – you know, he didn't foresee making a quarterback change at this time, which, I mean, okay, if you say so. Yeah, well, every coach is going to say that, especially after you, you pay Cutler, what, $10 million right. to come out of retirement and come come play for you. So, yeah, that's a that's a brutal situation. Uh, I mean, Dolphins fans are finally starting to feel what Bears fans felt for years and years. Right, but uh, Matt Moore's not bad, and we've talked about this before. Um, mm-hmm. The other guys this week I wanted to ask you about, um, any interest in Brian Hoyer playing at Washington with no Josh Norman most likely? Uh, you know, there's a tiny bit of appeal, but for me, that's probably limited to two quarterback leagues. It's yep. going to be uh, it's going to be tough for me to go ahead and start Brian Hoyer in a road matchup period. Yeah, Brian Hoyer, nine percent owned. By the way, the other one, as far as the drop types, uh, Jared Goff was was a big hit in the first four weeks. Then he mm-hmm. played the Seahawks the other day, and you know, I mean, the numbers weren't the fantasy numbers weren't terrible, but you know, they they he he struggled, and mm-hmm. his schedule coming up is not easy if you own jared goff right now um what are you thinking there is a reasonable chance that you could drop him i mean if you're in a dynasty format where you get to keep you know five six or so keepers then you probably hang on to him because you do like his what he showed in the first four weeks is encouraging enough to uh to feel good about him for the next couple of years However, that schedule and that division really is the gauntlet. There's a lot of tough matchups for quarterbacks in that division. We started to see against Seattle. If he would have been able to throw even 202 touchdowns against Seattle, then we would have been he would have been the real deal. And he almost had an extra one with uh, with the Cooper Cup. I wouldn't call that a drop because he had a layout for it, but right. uh, it was a catchable ball, and that would have helped Goff's stats for sure. Uh, so I mean, encouraging, but you know, if you have better options, I think you have to look at them. Yeah, the the schedule, by the way, upcoming. At Jacksonville, home for the Cardinals, at the Giants, home for the Texans, at the Vikings. There's no cupcakes in there, even with the way the Giants are playing. There are no cu- and the Cardinals, there's no cupcakes in there. Yeah, those are all guys on your Yahoo League that are probably going to be red when you're looking at setting your lineup for the week. <laughs> right. Um, everybody, hey, you've tried daily fantasy sports, right? And you had fun and you love the competition and, you know, you probably lost and you lost more. Um, the Sharks in there, they, they kind of crushed you and took your money. And, yeah, maybe you quit playing. But playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun. It's just that continually losing isn't. But we're here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports, the Fanball number at Fanball.com. Here's the Fanball difference. Your Fanball number identifies your skill level, and it ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your Fanball number is, say, 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s because they have their own contests. So Fanball.com, every player has a Fanball number, and every contest has a Fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around 35 and know that it'll have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the Fanball number. Fanball.com, have more fun and a better chance to win. That's Fanball.com. Thanks, Fanball. All right. Um, Running backs. What do you use... To, to research running backs other than, you know, you start looking at box scores and things like that. Oh, well, uh, the one of the things that uh, I've noticed on Rotowire, it's a new feature this year. It's our team trends page. And you can sort by everything from, uh, you know, snap count, target, you know, receptions, rushes, all the basic stats, red zone opportunities, red zone targets. So my favorite thing to do is, you know, we got a confusing backfield situation with the Jets. So I'm, I'm going to click on the Jets and, and go to running back and see exactly how the snaps were, were distributed. Do the same with things like Seattle. Do the same with things like the giants especially some of those confusing teams who there might be a single player in there that stands out and this helps me get started in the prep for pods and all our beat writers use it in the office too really good stuff nice all right who are you dropping right now well, I think we mentioned this last week, but Jacquez Rogers is probably a pretty safe drop. We thought maybe yeah. there would be a little bit of a split with Doug Martin. Instead, Doug Martin got hot and they rode him, and I don't see how they can stop do that. So barring any injury to, to Martin, I don't think Rogers has a whole lot of utility. You're with me there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. The other one I want to ask you about is Tarek Cohen. He's snap percentage is dropping. 
mean, Howard's kind of back to normal. You know, after the first few games where he got all those receptions, everything was great. And right now he's sort of a he's really the sidekick right now. Yeah, he definitely is the sidekick. And uh, there's a lot of concerning things about Tarek Cohen. Uh, number one, you always knew that his frame was never really going to support any kind of like full consistent uh, workload, you know, five, six, 180 pounds. You know, he's more of a change of pace, a scat back, if you will. Uh, so that's working against him. Benny Cunningham caught a touchdown pass and, you know, on Monday night. From and the think, punter. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that is a good point. So maybe you can't really work that against him. Um, but uh, also the snaps. You're very right. Uh, I mean, Cohen had 17 snaps and Cunningham had 14 snaps. Uh, so uh, and these are offensive snaps. I don't I'm not counting the right. special team stuff in there. So that's a little bit concerning, too. And you mentioned Jordan Howard's back. So Cohen's kind of back to that change of pace role. They need to they would have to get really creative. I think uh, there are coaches out there that w- would be able to get creative and find a way to do that. You know, I'm thinking maybe if you played on Andy Reid's team, they'd get him the ball in space. But uh, it's not seeming to happen in Chicago. And, and and I guess he does come on the chopping block for me. It's too bad because the first couple of games, he looked like such a playmaker. And, you know, you mentioned the size and it's an issue. But, you know, you can get the guy the ball 10, 12 times a game somehow, mm-hmm. especially when you yeah. know, half of them are catches and he's probably yeah, there's players fine. that can be productive with that type of volume. And, uh, you know, part of it could be, you know, the defense, uh, the Minnesota defense is, is a tremendous defense, probably a top five one in the league. So that's a tough matchup here, but the usage just gives you very little cause for encouragement. Did you see how relaxed that bears punter was when he threw the pass, by the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, just chills. A cucumber. It was great. Cause, cause a lot of times when punters do a fake, it's almost like you could see them get a little amped up. And they don't mm-hmm. want to screw up and, you know, they get a little nervous and, and, and jittery and everything. And this guy just kind of took it and took a step and flung it. it was what a, I love that play. Fox with the razzle-dazzle, the two-point conversion. They had the three guys touch the ball and it was good stuff. All right, running backs again. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is up to 57% ownership. And last mm-hmm. week, there was some question as to whether Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams was going to be the replacement for Ty Montgomery. Well, that was settled pretty emphatically. On Sunday, yeah. that Jamal Williams disappeared, and we don't need to worry about him right now. Now, mm-hmm. the question I asked Derek yesterday: Aaron Jones was so good. What does this do? If you're a Ty Montgomery owner, what are you thinking? I'm not overly worried because I think when Ty Montgomery comes back, he's still going to uh, be pretty heavy in terms of team snap percentage. I mean, through three weeks, I think he was leading the league, or he had at least more snaps than your your fantasy stalwarts like Le'Veon Bell through the first three weeks. He's getting used heavily and uh in comes aaron jones which is very interesting because jamal williams was ahead of aaron jones on the depth chart pretty much all preseason and leading up to the week but jamal williams kind of suffered he banged up his knee uh you know they're calling it maybe a sprain he was going to miss a couple games and he's not going to miss any games so he was involved but uh i think the health maybe limited the workload too let's say uh ty montgomery comes back 100 percent I can see somewhere between five to 10 carries for Jones. And, and is that a timeshare? I mean, and you could say the, you could say yes or no to that, but, uh, uh, and that's, and the 10 carry side of that spectrum is probably only going to be when the games, you know, well in hand, you know, when they're, if they're well ahead, well behind, probably not going to happen for Aaron Rodgers team. But, uh, I still think Ty Montgomery is the guy, but at the same time, you have a capable backup that can limit Montgomery's workload. And we saw what happened when Montgomery had too big of a workload. He eventually took a shot that that put him out here. So Jones is good as long as Montgomery's out. He's probably a, uh, a must-start running back when Montgomery is out. But when Ty comes back, I, I don't feel that great starting him. Do you – I mean, if I was a Packer fan and I watched Aaron Jones on Sunday, my, my immediate reaction would have been, why, why has it taken this long for this guy to get on the field so much? Yeah, you know, I thought that a little bit, but I love Ty Montgomery as a running back. He is he's incredibly dynamic. He, he people underestimate that they, they, they he has the size to be a running back and, and take on a decent load. And, and he's such a weapon pass catching out of the backfield. So, you know, Ty still is my guy. But Aaron Jones certainly uh, looked very encouraging. And and do, don't count out the fact that the Cowboys didn't have Sean Lee in that game. And that's uh, a huge different difference maker in their run defense. And and I'm not sure Aaron Jones breaks 100 if Sean Jones is in or Sean Lee is in there. Uh, so that's also something to watch out for. But, uh, you know, as a Packer fan, I love Ty. I want to see Ty start. But I also want to see Ty's workload come down to a reasonable level instead of where he's getting, you know, 97 percent of the team snaps. All right, let's go to the 49ers. Um, Derek and I talked about this yesterday. Uh, Matt Breida outsnapped Carlos Hyde, and it doesn't appear that Carlos Hyde was hurt at all. Kyle Shanahan said after the game, it was a hot hand situation. Then on mm-hmm. Monday, 
Um, he said again, I'm going to read this from the blurb on Rotowire. Kyle Shanahan confirmed that Carlos Hyde will still start games for the 49ers, but he added that he will go with the more productive running back once the games begin. Um, Carlos Hyde owners can, cannot be the least bit happy about this, but if you pick up Matt Breida, who's 7% owned on Yahoo, can you count on him enough to want to plug him into a lineup? I don't think you can count on him enough to start him just yet because, uh, you know, the 49ers are a team that's probably going to play from behind a decent amount, uh, which, you know, would favor the passing game a little bit. I think Breida needs to be on the radar. I think he should probably be on rosters heading into this upcoming week uh, just in case because not only, you know, is Carlos Hyde maybe going to see his work limited depending on who the hot hand is, but there is an injury history with Carlos Hyde too. So if something were to happen, then Breida all of a sudden will be 100% owned. So you can get ahead of that a little bit. So he needs to be owned. He's maybe not quite my top pickup for the week but uh but but he's kind of he's in a situation now where he can't just be left uh sitting in free agency all right next up uh the last night's game jarek mckinnon so i coming into this year i had finally quit jarek mckinnon it was hard for me Mm -hmm. it was really last last year i don't know if i've told you this last year i i drafted him in just about every league redraft i drafted him late and stashed him and when peterson got hurt i looked and i said I, I won these like like the, the jackpot. I'm and, money. And it didn't work. And then Matt, Matt Asiata came around. Matt Asiata came around and their line couldn't block. And McKinnon, quite frankly, was, you know, I mean, his vision seems to be suspect. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Um, super talent. And, you know, with all those, you know, the athletic, the spark score and all that bit. Um, last night, he runs for a 58-yard touchdown. And he looks fantastic. He, this I watched last night, six catches for 51, which we know he's going to be the pass catching guy. Uh, 16 for 95 rushing with a touchdown. I mean, 58 of it was on one carry. Okay. But you watched last night, you went, that's the guy. That's the guy I've been waiting for. I, I'm afraid he's going to suck me in again. It's like, it's like going back to an ex-girlfriend who I just can't, you know, I, I, I can't stay away from anymore. Yeah. I'm married, by the way. But <laughs> you, I mean, what do I do with Jerry McKinnon? <laughs> I mean, I'm not aggressively trying to pick up Jarek McKinnon's shares. He is actually owned in most of my leagues following the Delvin Cook thing, but they weren't because of bids by me. Um, it's interesting because Latavius Murray, you know, admitted before the week that, you know, maybe he still has a little bit of uh, uh, ankle soreness left. So, you know, if anything, that's possibly an incentive to give it to McKinnon. But again, I, I trust history more than I trust, that you know, anything else here. And when they've had the chance to give it to McKinnon in the past, They've chosen not to. And I, I'm going to write this Monday night off as a hot hand. And I'm not necessarily locked into starting McKinnon on a week to week basis. I'm still holding Murray. Um, and we're going to see where that takes us. You know, they, they, they've got the, the Packers the next week, then the, then the Ravens. And then they had two Cleveland. It's a little bit better matchup uh, than those other couple of teams here. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sold on McKinnon yet, but he showed me enough that I to maybe hang on to him and consider a flex start, I guess, in PPR formats. All right. Uh, McKinnon out two, two thirds to one third snap edge over Murray, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. For like a fantasy comp, I think of him maybe as like, like a theoretic type in terms of like his role moving forward. You know, of course, that's giving Murray is healthy. I, I read this probably more, like I said, as a as a hot hand situation. All right. Uh, Marlon Mack did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, had a touchdown, nine carries for 91. I mean, Frank Gore was his usual, you know, three and a half yard per carry self. Um, are you getting how excited are you getting about Marlon Mack? I'm excited enough that I definitely I definitely checked him in all my leagues to see if he was available. And because, uh, you know, and he's, of course, gone in my dynasty league already. He was drafted at the beginning of the year and someone drafted him for one dollar in that dynasty league. And I think they're going to end up uh, pretty profitable down the road because uh, if the Colts who are who are now two and three after the win, if they're anywhere in striking distance uh, when, when luck comes back and they're going to play to win, I think you need to give Mac uh, more snaps and, and continue to do so. Now that he's healthy, uh, he was, of course, much more efficient than Gore, the 35 yard run help. And he's someone that, you know, in, in a in a list of running backs this week, we're giving you options. But these I don't I'm not sure I, I would use my top waiver priority if you're in one of those type of formats right. on any of these guys, because nobody jumps out, you know, like, like Murray did last week or like other players have the week before. Uh, but Mac is someone that, you know, should warrant a modest bid. And, um, you know, it, it's tough to jump in and, and start immediately because Frank Gore did still out carry him. But Mac is just more explosive obviously a much younger back and, and I like his potential, you know, from week six onward, I, I think there's a reasonable chance he outproduces Gore. All right. Uh, let's go to the giants. 
So Orleans Dark with starts, uh, plays very well, then hurts his calf while running for a touchdown, and then Wayne Gallman kind of takes over. So we don't know what Darkwood's status is going to be. But um, what do you take? What do you make of these guys? Gallman, I mean, Gallman was fine too. Gallman, mm-hmm. uh, 39% on Yahoo, Darkwell only three. If both are healthy, what do you do? If, if both are healthy, I guess you have to assume Darkwell because he, he was the starter and the numbers side by side don't necessarily, you know, at least to the naked eye, don't necessarily say that things are going to change. However, I do, I'm not quite ready to cut Wayne Gallman yet. Uh, because of the injury. I mean, o- overall, there's just concerns about this Giants team because of all the wide receiver injuries. And we'll get to that with wide receivers in a little bit here. Uh, but that makes defenses able to key on that running game. So that's going to be a little bit dangerous. But uh, I think Gallman still still needs to be owned. And there's a decent chance that uh, you could start him even in a timeshare. Uh, Gallman actually had more snaps. And, you know, a lot of that was because of the injury here and more carries. Of course, that's because of the injury. And, you know, depending on what this means to you, Gallman was a higher rated or graded running back on pro football focus than Darkwa. Uh, looked like Darkwa maybe had uh, some troubles on passing downs or in the passing game. So he got a little bit of a negative rating for that. So uh, I don't know. I still like Gallman as, as the younger back, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more exciting. Um, but if Darkwa starts, I think you could throw him in the flex and hope for a touchdown again and, and maybe have a 10 point day. There's just not a – none of these guys are going off for, you know, three touchdowns and 200 yards on a given week. No one's going to win you your week, but they're going to give you enough support to uh, keep you in your matchup. Just remember that the Giants are going to Denver Sunday night. Yeah, neither so, of those guys, regardless of who's healthy, I don't feel good about starting either of those in that game. They might score negative 10, I think. <laughs> Collectively. Um, uh, so uh, one other note, uh, C.J. Procise, our buddy who we talked about all preseason, um, the Seahawks are off this week, but Procise should return in week seven, um, which could be good timing since the other running backs. I know they played the Rams who were good, but uh, Rawls and Lacey did not settle anything because both were relatively ineffective on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both very mediocre. And, I, and, you know, in the game last season, they wanted to give Procise a chance to be a, thir- a three down back. And unfortunately, he got short hurt shortly afterwards with nobody on this team even even mckissick who had you know flashes the week before uh with nobody on this team excelling or, or really you know russell wilson still leading them with 3.2 yards per carry uh, at least last week so uh with nobody excelling process has to be on the radar because he's someone that can give this seattle offense a spark in the second half all right la- last one i want to mention here um with the jets Bilal powell strained calf uh we're not sure of his status matt forte out again elijah mcguire 17 percent owned could be in play against the patriots at home this week mm-hmm. yeah it's a nice matchup for any jets offensive player you know not that i'm necessarily running out to try to to, to pick up mccown or anything to start against uh, uh the patriots but elijah mcguire needs to be on the radar because uh forte maybe will come back uh, but even if he does, I could see the workload being limited. And then Bilal Powell banged up a little bit. Uh, I mean, Elijah McGuire, 36 snaps, 11 carries, caught two passes. So uh, the volume's there against a, a subpar defense that has done, that has given up. They've just allowed a ton of points to running backs, especially pass catching running backs uh, so far this season. And, and McGuire fits that fits that bill for me. All right. And rank your top three running backs for, for people to pick up. And again, I, like I was saying, this isn't one to, you know, bid more than 50% of your fab money or use your top waiver wire claim. But I still like, uh, I, I like Mac number one, I guess I throw, mm, man, I, you know, I'm still going to, I'm going to stick with Gallman at number two and, and then Breida at number three, but none of these guys are, uh, are guys that are going to be a difference maker the rest of the season. There's always short term plug and play options. Jarek McKinnon truthers. Sorry for Jake's disappointing analysis on his top three running backs to pick up this week <laughs> i'm just I, I still can't buy it I, I do it one more week maybe we'll talk it this time next week and uh and my opinion will change a little bit but uh, you know if i think they get murray back involved and when they're trying to preserve a lead more consistently that you know that's going to be murray too so we'll see i guess all right um my receiver is dropping obviously odell beckham unfortunately mm-hmm. quite disappointing um brandon marshall out for the year too right Mm-hmm. So that's one. Uh, Dante Moncrief, uh, what, do, what do you think there? Three targets. You mentioned him in your notes before this. Um, what, what, what are you going to do if you own Dante yeah. Moncrief in, a, let's say, a 12-team? Or what do you think you're doing? Um, I do own Moncrief in a 12-team, and I'm holding him uh, okay. because I'm waiting for Luck to get back to see how that uh, production changes. Because all of a sudden, he could be wide receiver three once Luck is back uh, because he did show that potential last year. So uh, holding him if you can. 
But I do understand if you have to make a tough call with bye weeks and dropping him, he's one of those players that you're going to be choosing between. All right. And also, uh, one other thing you mentioned, if you own either Marquise Lee or Alan Hearns, not that they're, you know, your fantasy fortunes depend on those guys, but with the Jags playing well, Bortles, I mean, they, they didn't let him throw. I mean, that's basically, mm-hmm. that looks like their ideal scenario. What did he throw? Yeah. 14, 15 that, times? And you yeah, had, that's I, their identity. I imagined... Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone after the game talking to each other going, perfect. This is exactly what we want every week. If we could let him throw zero times, it'd be even better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that, that pattern could continue if this Jags team finishes above 500. I guess we'll see uh, if it's if it's the real deal moving forward. But yeah, those Jags receivers are their their upside is going to be very limited on a week to week basis, especially if things are going their way. And it seems like they have been so far. Not saying this isn't a direct order to go out and drop Marquis Lee or Alan Hearns. I'm just saying that they're droppable if yes. you have a tough situation. All right, um, back to the Giants because basically everybody went down. Um, Marshall, so much Marshall Dunn, because uh, Marshall, here's the thing. Some notes said that Brandon Marshall w- w- was uncertain, but then he posted something on Instagram last night that said he was out for the season. Hmm. So that seems like something against that in your contract somewhere along the line. But I don't <laughs> right. know. Marshall's always kind of done his own thing. Right. So um, right now, Sterling Shepard's 30, 63 percent owned. And it sounds like his injury is not as bad as we might have feared. Um, uh, Roger Lewis? I mean, is, is this – who, who did I talk to about this? I think it was Liss. Was, we, had, we had the conversation about is the last man standing on a bad offense the good or a bad idea? And, you, and what, what we came to was what he said is you sort of think it's a good idea because he has to get the targets. But then you go, oh, right, the offense is terrible. Yeah. And Eli Manning's throwing in the ball and the Giants are going to be, you know, the way things are heading, they're looking to grab Manning's replacement in one of these upcoming drafts here. So so what do we know about Roger Lewis? All right. Six feet, 190, 195. You know, you can say that out of Bowling Green. He was an undrafted free agent, a couple thousand yard years for Bowling Green in college. That's cool. Never been targeted more than 20 times in an NFL season. He's got some speed registered to four, four, five at the combine. But some of those other athletic type me- metrics, shuttle, cone drill, not necessarily great. Uh, I'm grabbing this off all, all off the road wire player pages, right. by the way, which are insanely useful and uh, definitely worth a subscription in its own. But uh, that's beside the point. So Roger Lewis, 23 years old. He's. He's on the radar, I guess, if you're in a deeper league. He's probably going to get picked up by a decent amount of people. But I don't necessarily get really excited for him. I mean, I think when Shepard comes back, which it seems like he will this season, if it's not this upcoming week, then it's the next week. And there's high ownership with Shepard, and it's only going to continue to get higher. So chances are he's not available. Maybe worth a look. But Shepard would be the number one. I know Evan Ingram didn't catch a pass, but he was targeted four times. I still think he's probably the second or third best pass catching option with Shane Vereen. And that puts Roger Lewis as the fourth best pass catching option, even if he's number one on the depth chart. So that's there's you can't expect a lot if you're picking him up and putting him in your lineup. All right. That's fair. I think I agree with you on that. All right. What a disappointment. God, they're playing the Broncos. Um, Kenny still. So Devontae Parker's ankle that he left the stadium on crutches. We don't know his status. Uh, but if he's out, um, Kenny Stills, you know, he's available. We kind of we liked him before the season. He was sort of a – there's not many guys you can call sleepers anymore, you know, because we all know everything and the information's out there. But Kenny Stills seemed to be overlooked in the preseason, and now he's going to get some more run starting this week. Yeah, he's uh, someone that needs to be on the radar. And, uh, fortunately for Devontae Parker owners, I own multiple shares. I was very, very high on him. I thought – I don't know. Cutler might be a shade or two better than, you know, than just absolutely terrible this year. But, you know, who knows? A couple of weeks ago. But anyway, Parker's ankle sprain is believed to be minor. So it's more of a day to day than a week to week thing. There's a chance that he gets back on the practice field and plays. But I do want to talk about Kenny Stills uh, in the case that Parker is limited or or inactive uh, in this upcoming week at Atlanta, which is a, you know a decent matchup here. The, the Falcons defense is definitely improving. And the big thing for me that stood out is Kenny Stills has been on the field for more snaps than even Jarvis Landry. Three more snaps over the first uh, four weeks, well, I guess five weeks of the season, but they did have that week one bye. So Kenny Stills has always been out there, and if Parker's not necessarily out there, then I don't see how Cutler doesn't look his way. I think their primary focus, similar to what Jacksonville does with uh, Fournette, is they're going to want to give the ball to Ajay as many times as he can handle, but somebody's got to catch passes, even if it's only 20, 25 passes from Cutler. So, and I think it'll be more because they're going to have to keep pace with Atlanta this week. 
So, yeah, I guess Kenny Stills does have a certain amount of appeal. And although he's 23-ish percent owned, I think you can probably get him because a lot of people just look at box scores. A lot of other fantasy owners will look at box scores and they'll see only caught one pass on a couple of targets. You know, that's not necessarily great because he was only targeted twice. And, uh, yeah, one pass on two targets. So uh, he'll he'll be out there, chances are, and he's going to have a much bigger opportunity. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go to the Browns. Kenny Britt was out last week. He was, uh, I think it was groin injury. And it sounded like, I mean, if you remember the week before, Hugh Jackson pretty much said, if we had enough healthy people, I would have benched him. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know if Kenny Britt's long for Cleveland or he's not. Uh, his, his playing time outlook is very bad. Um, Ricardo Lewis steps up. Um, the last two weeks, 17 targets, 10 catches, 135 yards. So five catches two weeks in a row. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean... It's it is a last man standing kind of thing, but not bad. Yeah, I mean Ricardo Lewis is another player like Stills. He only saw 16 snaps in the very first week of the season. It was dominated by Britton Coleman, but now that we're five weeks underway, he leads all receivers in snaps on the field uh, by about 30. So he the volumes there, the targets are definitely there. He's got 18 targets over the past two weeks. So I, I, there's a spot for him on fantasy rosters. Again, similar to another Lewis, Roger Lewis, that we talked about earlier. You can pick him up and, and maybe start him if he has a really good matchup, but you don't necessarily feel great about it because um, Lewis has been in the league for a while and he's you know he's never really had much of an opportunity. But at the same time, he's he's never been overly explosive. But the volume is encouraging enough to make him worth a look in some of those deep leagues. It's, it's a really rough receiver week. It's not like last week. It is a really rough receiver week. We're going to wrap it up by talking about Marquise Goodwin. Who, if you're going because, there, oof. Yeah, Man. we follow the targets all the time, and I know this was an overtime game, So, and it's a game where they had to pass the catch up or, or to maintain pace, I guess you could say, uh, the 49ers. So, yeah, 11 targets. And anytime a receiver gets double-digit targets, uh, I think a lot of this was because of because Vontae Davis was locking up Pierre Garcon. Vontae Davis is back. He returned in week four for the Colts. He's one of the better cover corners. And so they had to go to a secondary option on offense. And it's more or less like I'm, I'm putting this Goodwin note in here to explain what happened as opposed to saying go rush out and get him. Okay. So Garcon, see, here's the thing about that one. Goodwin had 11 targets. George Kittle had nine. Garcon had 11. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, yeah, Marquise Goodwin, I, I get it. Yeah, I don't trust him one bit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, very, very, he's uh, he's very much a boomer bust. He's like uh, I, I don't know, like a like a poor man's JJ Nelson. I guess right. you could say like fast. you're gonna have big. Yeah, he's fast, and he did it in Buffalo last year. Tyrod Taylor found him in a couple games where you know there, there might be a game or two where he gets a hundred yards and a score, hundred twenty yards and a score. But the rest of those games are gonna be like four targets, two catches for twenty three yards or something like that. Yeah, he he actually got open. He got open on a deep pattern against the Panthers in week one and Hoyer hit him right in the chest and he dropped it and, and then you and mm-hmm. that's why that's the pros and cons of Marquise Goodwin right there um, exactly. all right everybody buying tickets can be complicated and confusing but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek SeatGeek is the smartest easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long whether you're planning a day out with friends searching for a last minute deal or buying a gift for a loved one SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's clearly the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats. You know, I actually wanted to. I have a friend coming in town Thursday. Panthers-Eagles looks like a really good one Ooh, to there go, you go to. And, yeah. and I got a buddy coming in town, so I'm going to skip. I'm going to head to the Panthers in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, I'm in the same. To do that. I'm in the same boat, John. Uh, you know, but Purdue's coming to town to Madison, Wisconsin to play the Badgers. I got friends and family looking for tickets. I downloaded the app, you know, very similar pricing to the, some of the competitors, and you get that $20 off your first purchase. It's crazy. So I definitely, know. I don't see why you don't do it. I said to Derek, if someone used it for the Jags in Jacksonville this week for the Rams going, they might get money back if they use the $20 off their first purchase. <laughs> yeah, do they do rebates? I guess we'll have to check on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, SeatGeek. <laughs> All right. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. I want to ask you one more question about that. Where should I go? Because I keep saying every year I want to go to more college football games. And I'm kind of in SEC country. Mm-hmm. I've been, the only Big Ten I've been to is Michigan, and it was kind of a letdown. I went to Ohio Ooh. State, Michigan, and it was a letdown. Oh, man. I, yeah. See, I, I didn't travel as much as I wish I would have while I was in the Big Ten. I mean, 
because it doesn't get a whole lot better than Madison, Wisconsin. But if you're in SEC country, man, I'd be if I were closer there. I know I one of our colleagues, uh, John McKechnie in the office, he went to Georgia. He loves it down there. I'm sure he he he, uh, he knows his way around well. So that makes it better. Uh, you know, I've heard awesome things about LSU as well. I'm sure Gainesville isn't too bad. So, uh, uh, you know, the, a lot of that a lot of that's hearsay. But, man, Madison, Wisconsin, it, it's great. Uh, you get to see a lot of unique things that maybe you, you wouldn't see uh, normally at a college campus. Yeah, the University of Georgia. So Athens is about three hours from me. They're home mm-hmm. against Missouri on the 14th. They're home again. That's this week. I can't do that. They're home against Florida. Oh, no, that might be Jacksonville, though, on the 28th. They're home against the University of South Carolina on the 4th of November and then Kentucky on the 18th of November. Yeah, I think I might have to go to a Georgia game. Yeah, we'll have to check out Seeky. All right, Seeky. I'm going to check you out soon on that one. Um, like, like Jake said, New users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat right now, right from your phone. Thanks, SeatGeek. All right, tight ends. Um, I don't know if there's any droppables, really. Evan Ingram just was – he was invisibly four targets, no catches, and we were all excited that, you know, Evan Ingram had basically established himself as one of Eli's go-to guys. He's going to have to be one of Eli's go-to, Eli, literally Eli's go-to guy at this point. Yeah, he's the only, one of the few targets with some, with some size. And, uh, you know, they might as well get him involved and, and, and do a trial by fire with him because they don't have a whole lot of pass catching options. And they're pretty much setting up for the future at this point. So get him some experience. I unfortunately had to start Evan Ingram because of the Rob Gronkowski situation on mm-hmm. Thursday night. Needless to say, I lost that week, so it was a, it was a tough one. All right, um, Austin Sperry and Jenkins, it's time. He's Your man. here, right? You, you were right all along, John. I'm going to give you credit for that, you guys. John, if you've been listening to us in previous weeks, John always kind of nudges in Sperry and Jenkins <laughs> at the end of the tight end list, and I was like, okay, okay, well, let's see it first. Let's see it first. I guess we saw it here now. He was a very popular DFS play because the Browns always give up a touchdown to tight ends. You know, that's uh, one of the locks just about every week, um, but. He looked good because he led the team with eight targets and they don't really have great wide receivers. You know, we're talking Jeremy Curley, Jermaine Curse types. So Saperian Jenkins, he's a big target. Uh, he's someone that I mean, out of all those guys, who would you throw the ball to in a 50 50 ball and hope comes down with it? Probably Safarian Jenkins. I mean, past issues aside in Tampa Bay, he looks ready to be an impactful fantasy tight end. And I'm going to give John all the credit again for calling that one early. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the guy's got big talent. Um, and the news started coming last week. You started hearing things late in the week that, that he was Josh McCown's primary target. And look, we're not going to, you know, he he didn't set the world on fire Sunday, six for 29 and a touchdown is not explosive, but it looks like he's going to be the guy that they throw to a little more than others. Exactly. I mean, if you get 10 fantasy points from a tight end that you pick up off the waiver wire in this type of tight end climate this year, where you know, they're going down all over the place. You have to be pretty proud of yourself. Yep. Um, next, we talked about Kittle a minute ago with all the Niners, but uh, Kittle's a good – he showed in college he didn't catch a ton of passes, but he had, the rep he had came, coming out was as a decent receiving tight end, and he looks to be that. Yeah, he absolutely looks to be that and uh, definitely got the body to be looked at in the red zone, 6'4", 250-ish. And, uh, and, and yeah, the targets have uh, – you know, he had six targets week one, and then he kind of slowed down a little bit, two, three, and three. But that nine is a big one. And, you know, going to Washington, pretty there's, there's some decent matchups on here that I think uh, he'll be able to um, he'll be able to take advantage of. And for a big guy, he's quick. He ran a four five two at the combine. So uh, good athleticism. Um, and I, I he's someone I would go after at least, uh, you know, there are bye weeks this week. And he's someone that's worthy of a tight end two status. Um, let's see. Uh, he's one percent on on Yahoo, by the way. Safarian Jenkins, 29. Uh, Jack Doyle is under 50 percent. And he missed week five with a concussion. If he's back, are you interested? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm slightly interested. I'm not completely given up on Jack Doyle. And if you're looking at, you know, a handful of scrubs on the waiver wire, you know, if you're choosing between like Julius Thomas, I know we've liked Ben Watson in the past, but he had another rough week. Uh, you know, those those type of fringe guys, I would pick up Jack Doyle before those guys. Um, but I don't get insanely excited about it. Uh, he, the targets there in the last three weeks, he's had 20 targets that he's been on the field here. And, uh, you know, he heads to Tennessee. So that seems to be a pretty good matchup. All right. Um, same question for Austin Hooper. He's under 50%. He finally had a solid game in week four against the Bills. He was five for 50 on seven targets. Um, comes back this week. Are you interested there? 
again, I'm not I'm not crazy interested. I was interested to start the season and and that's definitely faded a little bit. But uh, who knows? Maybe if Mohamed Sanu has trouble getting back on the field, I'm I'm looking up his status real quick. I'm trying to just assess the pass catching situation. Well, Mohamed Sanu didn't practice on Monday. That's probably worth uh, noting here uh, that that means maybe there's more mouths to feed. You know, Sanu kind of, uh, I guess, uh, uh, a bigger type possession guy, if you can say that. Um, so maybe they go to Hooper more in those situations. Maybe they work him into the game plan coming off of the bye. Uh, so that's that's an interesting thing to watch. So there, I guess there's a little bit of appeal this week. But, uh, you know, my status hasn't changed a whole lot on him since the bye week. Tight end two, probably. OK. Um, Ed Dixon. Five for a buck seventy-five on Sunday. You know, it was outstanding. I've, I'm just pulling my hair out in a 16-team league. I picked up. I own Greg Olson. Didn't bother to take another tight end in the draft because you know why would you in 16 teams? And and you know after he got hurt, I picked Ed Dixon up right away. He caught like one pass for six yards. So I was like, screw this, and I cut him right away. And now I'm sitting here like, well, I guess. I, and who have I started since? Tyler Croft, Ben Watson. You know, just yeah. kind of a bunch of scrubs. Uh, I would prefer Ed Dixon over any of those names I just said here. Again, short window for utility. We'll eventually get Olsen back, I'd imagine, but uh, you, you can't ignore that. And the way Cam's playing, like all these guys like Dixon, uh, Funchess, and Benjamin especially, all those guys uh, are, are, are very startable, especially the wideouts. Um, the, the thing with Dixon the other day, the, the Panthers' offense being very – based a lot on misdirection, they try to confuse – um, you know, and I, I think that's that's one of the ways they're using McCaffrey. I don't want to say a decoy, but, you know, I feel like he's he's moving around a lot and they're trying basically two, two of the plays yep. with Dixon, two of the big plays. There's almost literally nobody covering him. One of them, there's nobody anywhere near him when he caught the ball. And he was only five yards off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I tend to think that that teams are going to go, OK, we have to account for him now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so do you think, as someone who watches Carolina pretty regularly and closely, uh, one of these weeks someone's not going to pay McCaffrey the due attention? He's going off, right? I would think so. They're they're having trouble running inside, mm-hmm. which which hurts. I mean, he's he, so he's just not. You know, I mean, Stewart was eighteen for twenty one the other day, and I think that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. I I think McCaffrey he's gonna be he's gonna be a little boomer bust, but I, I don't know if I see him having games where he goes, let's say, ten carries for sixty yards. I just don't know if he's gonna carry the ball enough to do that. So well, maybe this upcoming week, uh, Stewart didn't practice. Uh, he was a non-participant on Monday's injury report, dealing with an ankle ailment. So, you know, maybe get into that. But of course, McCaffrey usually doesn't have a spot on this waiver wire because he's universally on. Exactly. If if you drafted him, you're waiting for the big week. I know you had the one against the Saints where he caught nine for one on one. But um, the two other ones. Um, Zach Miller was the Bears' target leader for Trubisky. I mean, it's sort of a, you know, the conventional wisdom, which I think has probably been debunked by somebody, that the, you know, the tight end is the rookie quarterback security blanket. Do you buy that with Zach Miller? I buy that a little bit, and I only buy it here because of the other pass-catching options that they have available. Uh, there, just, there just isn't anyone that's that's emerged. I mean, Tarek Cohen actually – even with one target only for Cohen last night, still leads the team with 30 targets. Zach Miller second on the team with 27 targets. And I know there's a lot of Glennon in that sample size, but I think that'll continue. I think uh, Miller could finish the year, you know, as long as he stays healthy as one of the top targeted options, because I don't know, the Kendall Wrights and Marquis Sweetens don't necessarily threaten me right. a whole lot. I think Trubisky's going to uh, on a roll. They, they, they like that rollout play where we're both uh, the Vikings like this play too, where they roll out in the tight end trails. And usually there's a step or two with the tight end on the linebacker. And I think they continue to run that play. That helps. That helps Zach Miller's volume. Okay. And um, the last one I want to mention available everywhere. Uh, Tyler Higby on the Rams. Um, he was, a, he had a high draft pedigree, right? Mm-hmm. Was second yeah. round last year, third, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely uh, taken early. I think that uh, one of my concerns with Higby initially, I didn't even take him in best ball leagues, was because uh, I thought maybe Jared Gerald Everett was the uh, would be a more proficient pass catcher because they did, you know, they had two rookie tight ends and Everett's only caught you know one pass in each of the last two weeks. He's got six catches on the season, and and Higby is actually who's I believe size wise is a little bit bigger. Higby six six two fifty seven. Whereas Everett here is six three two forty, I thought Higby was going to be more of a blocker. Right, I was wrong. Not the case so far. I mean, uh, seventeen targets in the last three weeks, fourteen in the last two. Um, he's should be on the radar because he did it against a very very tough Seattle defense. Yeah, and he's um, by the way fourth round on Higby. 
But um, yeah, interesting. Interesting the attention he's gotten from Goff lately. And I agree with you. I thought their tight end situation was muddled, and I thought Everett coming in would affect Higby, but now it seems to be swinging back. All right, defenses. Um, it's funny, you sent me, one of, one of the things you had in your notes was that someone dropped the Jags D in one of your leagues. And what happened is I was, I'm in a 12-team league where I drafted the Jags defense, and I've been very excited along the way. Mm-hmm. And what happened was this week, I knew they're, they're playing the Steelers, and I looked and I went, I don't want to start them but yep. I don't want to drop them. So I picked up another defense and kept them. I wound up keeping two defenses on a oh. roster, which is very unusual for me. Yeah. Um, but I benched them, which is fine. I picked up the Dolphins and they did fine and I won. Yeah. But, yeah. Dolphins uh, helped so, win money in daily this week for sure. Uh, so dropping, they were all right. Dropping the Jags? Someone dropped I don't the know. Jags. Yeah. I don't know what they were going for. They probably, you know, they might have had a quarterback situation. I didn't look too far into it, but I saw that they were, when I, I always, I always go to one of my leagues that uses defenses. Some of my leagues have gone, done away with kicker and defenses. Uh, and I love it. But uh, so I went to one of my leagues that uses defenses, you know, sorted all defenses just to try to get a scale of the percent ownerships to see who I could pick from. And I saw the Jags who are I mean, I'm not the only league because they're 66 percent owned as of yesterday. I think people just have that mental perception of what the Jags are, but they don't yep. think about Patrick Ramsey and how their front seven's been going and, 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 and what they've been doing so far this season. So I think that explains the ownership. You know, if the Browns defense all of a sudden became really, really good, I'm sure you'd see them 40 percent available just because people have that perception. But anyway, I saw that they were out there. Uh, and that they are available in about a third of leagues. So, you know, I guess it's worth a look and pick them up because even if you're in an A-team league, I think they could be a top-eight defense. They are ferocious. They really are. Um, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they had they had one stinker in there somewhere. I forget who it was against. I mean, I know they destroyed the Ravens. But um, uh, who, who else? Are you, people who are widely, more widely available. I think the Pickens seemed slim this week. Yeah, it was slim Pickens. And one thing that I was surprised about and I think a lot of this is because they are coming off a of buy. The Atlanta Falcons, when I looked last night, were only 22% owned. And I think, you know, playing in that division, they've had defenses in the past where they've given up just a a lot of passing yards. And, uh, you know, yeah, sure, that, that's happened. But but this season, they've shown a lot of improvement. Uh, you know, another year with Dontari Poe uh, right, uh, in the center to kind of anchor that. They've got a pretty good secondary. Um, and the most attractive part, is that they host Jay Cutler and the Dolphins. So you're getting the home team, you know, again, in that new stadium that everyone's really excited about. And it, it's sort of a, another year with this defense, another year in the scheme with uh, a lot of talent kind of coming together. So I think the Falcons defense is definitely better than their ownership percentage. And at 22%, I think that's enough to qualify them for my top pick this week. All right. Um, yeah, any inch, I mean, the, I, I thought about the Titans at home because they're playing Indy, but the Titans have just been too terrible. Yeah, you know, I guess they're on the radar if you're desperate, but I'm more or less looking to target Jacoby Brissett in that matchup, even though he's the road quarterback that I am the Titans defense. <laughs> right. All right. Um, everybody, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Jake, what else are you up to this week? Oh, man, Rotowire just launched a new center app for Android, so we've been kind of testing and playing with that a little bit. Nice. And uh, that and putting finishing touches on college basketball, of course, today, all sorts of waiver wire stuff. Uh, I'll be doing uh, you know some, some video for Watch Stadium later in the day, and then I'll do a live chat on Facebook right around uh, 5.30 Eastern time. If you guys want to tune into that, if you want me to follow up or elaborate on anything that I talked about in this show or just ask any general questions about adding drop uh, tough decisions on your fantasy team, I'll be there on Facebook. Just like the page and join in on the fun. Sounds good. So that's five. If that's five thirty p.m. Eastern Tuesday on on uh, Rotowire's Facebook page, check it out. Yes, check out Jake's that is video correct. Chat. Yeah. Um, you can also reach him at jakeski fifty two on Twitter. You can reach me at jhoppin thirty seven. Um, we'll be happy to help you out. Uh, reminder: Please review and rate us wherever you're listening to this podcast. We'd appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode's coming on Thursday. We'll get to get you ready for Week Six. So please come on back then. For Jake Latarski, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.